0: Hi, my name is Andrew Bolton, and this is the Pros and Content Podcast. I'm the Chief Client Officer here at Notch. And on the Pros and Content Podcast, we'll be featuring a series of truly remarkable content leaders who believe in storytelling, and who have different perspectives on the importance of measurement, scalability, and the
1: optimization of content. Joining us today on Pros and Content is Paz McDonald, the Chief Marketing Officer at Software AG, or if you're in Germany where they're headquartered, Software AG. In just under two years, Paz has worked to transform an aging data company into a recognizable tech brand, leading more than 100 marketers to shift messaging around value, amplify authentic brand voice, and experiment with data-driven strategies. Internally, she advocates fiercely on behalf of the marketing organization. As a champion CMO, her job is one of the toughest in the C-suite, but Paz prevails through cross-functional collaboration and demonstrating the value of her work. We hope you enjoyed this conversation with Paz McDonald.
0: Welcome to Pros and Contact. I'm Andrew Bolton. I'm the Chief Client Officer here at Notch, and I'm joined today by Paz McDonald, who is the CMO of Software AG. So welcome to the show.
2: Thank you so much, Andrew. Delighted to be here.
0: Thank you. Appreciate it. If you could just give a little bit of background for those who are not familiar with Software AG, overview of the business, what are the core values of the business, just um, as it may not be as well-known name here in the US as it is uh, in Europe.
2: Great question. So we are a 50 year old technology company um, and 50 is not kind of old these days. Um, so we were formed in 1969 when like, you know, the man was man was put on the moon for the first time. And um, we are um, a technology company that enables customers to um, basically instantly see, decide and act on their data. So we, we are very much focused on allowing our customers to get the value out of their data so they can make great decisions. Um, Now, I I take you in that direction because um, we do have, we're a global company. So we are German uh, headquartered, uh, but we have 10,000 customers globally. Um, You know, a lot of our revenue comes from the US. Um, You probably have used our technology. You just don't (laughs) know you've used our technology. So when you've ordered your coffee uh, on the go in the morning, you've used an app. Um, There'll be our technology behind that. Um, A lot of wind farms use our technology. Um, You know, we do a lot of things behind the scenes. Airlines. I know a lot of airlines are grounded right now, but a lot of airlines use our technology to connect families together. So we are in the seat behind the scenes. Now the name is interesting, Software mm-hmm. AG. It's actually pronounced Software RGE, okay. and the RGE bit just means Inc. Incorporated, yeah. like you would um, in an American company. Now, if you think about it, software. That word 50 years ago, it's yeah. pretty cool. It's like software, wow. <laughs> so, cool. so cutting
1: edge. <laughs>
2: so cutting edge, right? Um, it's, but it's like adding cloud to something now. You wouldn't add cloud to something because everything's soon to be um, on the cloud. So it is a dated name, um, but it's a company with great products, great technology. Um, you know, like I said, we've got 10,000 customers globally and we're growing. And my job is to come in as a transformational CMO. I've been here 21 months to try and fix some of the perceptions and just really get this kind of brand out there um, a bit more noticeable because mm-hmm. uh, it's, uh, there's, there's some work that needs to be done in that area.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it sounds like if you're doing all those things behind the scenes, people should know about that, you know, and we can, you know, pull the curtain back a little bit and say, hey, surprise, you yeah, know, we're here. Um, <laughs> you were you were at uh, MongoDB for a little over seven years, right? Yes. What were the things that drew you to software AG? Um, and what were the challenges that you saw as like, hey, this is stuff that I want to take on? Yeah.
2: So uh, yeah, I had a great run at MongoDB. Be brilliant I was there first UK hire um you know very very early stage you know was there through the IPO and and mm-hmm. afterwards and then I got a calling from this this company that needed some help to bring a little bit of that kind of startup mentality methodology to help invigorate their brand um and to have that responsibility to be a CMO you know lead an organization of over 100 people um was just like too tempting so I, le- I left MongoDB to come here mm-hmm. and um you know so I I look after uh, you know quite a few areas uh, from basically the brand product marketing, obviously demand generation and field. And, you know, my job is to really orchestrate the team to kind of work together, to collaborate amongst each other and other functions to really drive outstanding results. And uh, yeah, it's been uh, it, it's been an interesting time because there's, a, there's you know, and, and no one lied about what needed to be done. A lot of work needed to be done, but all of the things are fixable and we've mm-hmm. been fixing a lot of things. And I can talk to you through some of the things we've done.
0: Yeah, that's great. It's it's good to have a a to do checklist that you can just keep working w- your way through. It's yeah. gratifying to see that get smaller and smaller. I'm sure. Um, what was that transition like for you going from MongoDB, smaller, you know, younger, scrappier, let's call it startup, um, yeah. you know, type mentality to a larger, more established, you know, older company? What was that like from a cultural perspective as well as um, more tactically?
2: Yeah. Big difference. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you, very, very big difference. So, you know, MongoDB, uh, you know, very agile, everything was quick, you know, changes happening daily. I became, you become so used to that when you're there seven years that you become used oh, to that yeah. norm. And then you move into this, uh, you know, very established culture. And I, in the beginning, I was like going at a hundred miles an hour here. And I couldn't understand like, why is no one keeping <laughs> a pace with me, including my team? Um, so then I, you just have to adjust your style to the culture that you have. And I realized that it- realized that I needed to flex a different kind of muscle, which is mm-hmm. like almost like go slow to go fast. Like it's just kind of like we need to bring people on this transformational journey. Um, you need to go slow to go fast, get the buy-in, and then you can go a lot faster, right? You'll never do 100 miles an hour because it's not a startup, mm-hmm. but it is an established company. So there are pros of of being here versus versus a startup, right? But you've got to just handle it very, very sensitively.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's also some cultural changes to going to a German run company as well that you had to adjust to.
2: Yeah, um, there's obviously, you know, there's a lot of, um, you know, German things that, um, you know, reporting requirements. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, which wouldn't necessarily happen in a U.S. company. But, you know, for me, it's been another string to my bow. I've learned a lot about how to, um, you know, work with the Workers' Council, for example, which is a, kind of like a German uh, employee union, you know, how to hmm, get their buy-in and, and how they operate, um, you know, special requirements for reporting. So it's it's another muscle that I flexed in, in the whole process of being here.
0: That's great. So you've been in the enterprise software marketing game for a while, um, seen a bunch of different companies. What are some of the challenges that you think that B2B marketers face that are unique um, and some of the trends of what has really evolved over the past couple of years?
2: Yeah. Do you know what? I'm really glad you didn't use the word veteran because when, when anyone's done 20 <laughs> years plus, it's like the V word comes out veteran. I'm like, oh, my God. Um, so um, experienced. Experience. Is, is experience? It, yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Andrew. Um So for me, I think that the, the challenges are um, I think buyers are getting more savvy. Right. Mm-hmm. I really do. And you know they are um i think especially now with these covid times people have a little bit more time people are working from home right they haven't got that commute anymore they've got a bit more time on their hands and i think they're listening in a very different way so i think your marketing messages have to be more authentic than maybe they were before and they will they will smell a rat if you're trying to like oversell them or overpromise mm-hmm. them or you know it's it's a whole new ball game and i think there's also um more anonymous i think we're going to have to think how we address this kind of anonymous buyer that we've not maybe seen or met before if you think about Mm. how sales used to be um you know you'd you'd meet you know you'd you'd arrange conferences
0: in person meeting yeah in
2: person it's gone people are anonymous right and I think it's gonna require everybody, each marketeer to flex a different set of skills that they did not have before. But it, I I really believe the one thing is authenticity. That's gonna come out. And and then we've seen a lot of these campaigns from um, you know, companies that are like, you know, these you know, we've got this special thing because of COVID, we're offering this free, that free. People smell if it's really free, if it's not free. I think this is where authenticity is really going to be a, a big thing that people are going to have to focus on.
0: Shifting gears a little bit to think about content, um, seeing that that is the the, the title of the podcast. Um, yeah how do you view content within um the organization and maybe uh you could juxtapose how it was before you arrived and how that may have transitioned and evolved um after you arrived and if it's actually changed even more in the last you know 6 months you know because of covid
2: oh yeah it has so when i joined um, you know, I, I actually didn't understand really what we did. And that sounds like a dreadful thing to d- say. And I thought, if I don't understand, then I'm worried that we, we might <laughs> not appeal to to people that should know about us. So I think our content when I joined was very much feature function. Why? Because mm-hmm. we actually do have really great technology. You know, it's, it's always a leader in the magic garden, magic quadrants or the Forrester wave. So we actually do have brilliant technology. There's a lot of that great German engineering behind that, which is mm-hmm. fantastic but it's almost like having like the best headache tablet, right? The best headache medication and being so focused on the ingredients on that, that you miss the point that it could get rid of your headache in five minutes or Mm. whatever it is that you want to try and do or no after effects, right? I think we were focused so much on what was in that medication rather than actually what it could do to, to solve. So what we've done is Really started to pivot our messaging to be more about, you know, values and outcomes, business mm. outcomes. Um, and then also the type of content, right? It was very much the standard white paper, ebook, fact sheet, you know, very dull, very dry. And, you know, what we decided to do was just like, just shake it up a little bit. Like, let's do some videos. Let's do some more animation. Let's really put, invest some time in the blog. You've mm-hmm. got a brilliant blog. I've been on your blog. Your blog oh, is brilliant, you. notch, right? Um, that's what I would love our blog to be. But again, it's a journey that we're, I'm taking the, the organization on. So yeah, we've really had to, to change. Um, Even before you do that, right, before you can get your content right and the tone right, you have to understand who you are, what's what's your brand personality, what are your values? So we spent a lot of time understanding who we want to be, Mm
0: -hmm. because
2: I always ask the question, like, and I'm sure you know, if Notch walked into a bar, if you personified Notch and Notch walked into a bar, what drink would Notch order? it'd be, I think it'd be a fun cocktail, Andrew. What do yeah, you
0: think? It'd be, it, yeah, it'd be a pretty fun
2: cocktail, I would say. Yes. Yeah. So the, we, I don't think we had that, right? Yeah. So, you know, we need to give ourselves a personality. So we did a brand mm. audit, like, hey, well, how do people see us, right? And how do our analysts see us, our customers, our partners, you know, you know, this our key stakeholders. And when we got that feedback back, it was like somebody holding a mirror up to you. It's like, what do you think you see and it's like mm-hmm. actually this is what we see and um so that was really great because then that helped us get our tone right in terms of who we wanted to be as a as a as a brand and that personality and then that filtered into the content so the language changed and you know it softened and became more kind of personal and and real and authentic
0: That's interesting. So, you know, I've talked to a lot of people that work at software companies, engineering companies, and they fall into that same trap where everything becomes very feature function um, because it's the engineer's mind that's really driving things. Um, And it's been a challenge for the content leaders and the CMOs and the marketers have come in uh to try to not justify the value of more of a storytelling approach in a way but uh of how do you connect with the consumer or the people that are utilizing your products in a way that isn't about the feature function outcomes what tactics or what um arguments have you used to steer the organization away from that feature function to more of that hey we need to talk about values we need to talk about you know storytelling in uh respect to our brand and so on
2: yeah it's a great question it takes time. I had to build trust with people because, you know, when you've had that kind of very fixed mentality that it is about features function, it it takes a leap of faith to listen to a brand new CMO and go like, what is she talking about? So we literally just kind of showed them examples of how we would take their brilliance, right? This, this brilliant product that they created with these wonderful features functions and you know, we, we experimented. We, we tried different things. Um, see, you know, saw how people responded to the content. And that helped us, um, especially with a lot of A B testing on content to, to show them that when we use language like this, when we position it like this, you know, you get better outcomes and we track everything. And I think that's the mm. only way really is, is like a, you know, data driven to be data driven is actually to show them remove that emotion because people will have emotion when they're very proud about the, the, something that they've built, right? The product they've built. And, and I get that totally. But at the end of the day, you can build the world's best product. If nobody understands what the hell it's going to do to transform their business, we've all lost. So it's, it, it took time, but they trust us now. We, we use data to help them mm-hmm. see what's working.
0: Got it. And does that also help? Uh, I, I, I see this often with software companies, there, there's sometimes some friction between the marketing side and the sales side. Um, as far as what's being talked about, like, is that actually helping, you know, move people through the pipeline, you know, get people to leads? How do you interface with the 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 sales side of the organization? Um, and where does content play place within there?
2: Yeah, that, I mean, that's a great question. You know, everyone talks about this, you know, marketing and sales disconnect. So what I what I've actually brought product into the gang as well. Right. So we mm. have we have a regular biweekly go to market. um, uh, call, call sync call so the the myself the CRO and the CPO we meet regularly we talk about what's working what's not not working the challenges we use data to aid decision making and that little that holy trinity the growth flywheel whatever people call yeah, it these yeah. days yep. that's so important so all of us get it from the minute like the products team have actually built something to the way, you know how marketing do it market it and then how sales ultimately sell it And that feedback loop is so important. So yeah, we have this little growth flywheel, and that that's really that's what keeps us all sane and really focused on what we need to do.
0: Yeah, Um, uh, it's funny. That's something that we've been looking at as well. You know, how do you look at the customer journey? How do you break it down? Figure out where blockers are, and figure out how the you know product. Um, marketing and sales can work together to to help move people forward towards that common goal. Um, I couldn't only imagine how difficult that is to do at such a large <laughs> company. Um, so I, I I hear you there. Um, I guess in that same uh, vein, then, when you think about um, the marketing looking at existing customers versus new leads, or um, you know, driving new customers into the pipeline. How do you balance that? Uh, How much of your efforts is uh, directed towards existing um, clients and nurturing them and growing them and engaging them versus like straight new business? Uh, I'm just curious.
2: Yeah, it's a great question. So um, we, uh, the the company has traditionally focused a lot on its install base, Um, Mm -hmm. but we're on this, we have this five-year transformation vision called Helix that's been driven by our CEO, Sanjay Bramavar. So we are midway through that journey um so the focus is now on net new logos so our install base is is critical right Mm -hmm. what we want to do is like move them to a subscription model it's been perpetual so we're now moving them helping them move to that and that's been really successful Mm -hmm. but you know we do need to go after net new logos so as a a cmo i'm now looking at my organization and, and thinking you know for next year do i now start thinking about you know, having a team focused on renewals and, and working very closely with our customer success team um, and on, on those accounts that we need to make sure that, you know, it, that we're, they're still using our products, they're getting value. It's all about value, right? Yep. And then a, a team that wake up every morning and their job is to like hunt net new logos. So we're thinking about that. But yeah, net new logos, we're going to be pivoting, certainly marketing more towards that direction next year.
0: What does the content team look like today? um and how do you think that that's going to evolve and i'm assuming it probably will start may start splitting into those two different categories yeah, yeah. i'm curious what that looks like
2: that, that, so when I joined, there was not a content, there was no content team. And mm-hmm. I was like, right, so who and it was like everybody wrote a little bit of content, which is okay, but you know what that means, don't you? It's like there's different voices. It's what if mm-hmm. you've written something, Andrew, it's gonna be a different style to to what I've written, to mm-hmm. whatever anyone else has written. So one of the first things I did was establish a, a product marketing function and I put the content team under that function. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, got a great leader that that runs that. And his job is to make sure that everything kind of sounds the same. It's a machine and they work very closely with the campaigns team. They work very closely with the digital team. And it's, again, this this feedback loop, right? So it's like, let's test this piece. You know, a difference in a sentence could make, you know, a a difference in the percentage of people that click on on the ad. Mm -hmm. So they work very, very closely together. And, you know, that team, I've empowered them to identify the voice that we need with the brand guidelines. But that team, I, I want to see that team grow and and develop. But ultimately, I need to make sure that everybody in my organization has a basic level of, of being able to write good content. It shouldn't be the responsibility of this tiny team to do it. Everybody needs to be able to write good content and know mm-hmm. what great content looks like.
0: Yeah. How uh, do you get Content in front of uh, the right eyeballs, what are the delivery mechanisms that you utilize that you've had the most success with?
2: Okay, so our blog is successful, so we we mm. I have somebody on my team who writes a blog a day. I mean that's that's pretty imp- incredible that's, that's impressive That's impressive, <laughs> that's, impressive. <laughs> that's, good, um, that's good output. <laughs> It's, it is massive output. So, uh, you know, we have uh, the blog. It works really well for us. One of the smartest moves we've done, it, it's so bizarre the way it was set up. The blog was on it hosted separately from the website, mm-hmm. which was just bonkers. So what we did we with the new website that we've had built with Adobe, we put the blog onto onto the site. So everything, you know, it means that we capture people and then they get to have a great experience on our website, which has been designed with customer journeys in mind. Mm-hmm. Um we're LinkedIn is really working well for us. Mm-hmm. But as you know, with COVID, things are going more online. So everything's getting a bit saturated, a bit samey. Mm-hmm. So we're just trying to think, you know, what's really, really working. Um, so yeah, LinkedIn's working well for us, Twitter as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we are experimenting with Facebook, right? Mm-hmm. It's just, it's a, a new area for us. We we've, we've done some, we haven't really given it that much thought. So um, that's another area as well.
0: Yeah, it's interesting when you think of B two B, you don't always think of Facebook. Um, but I know one of our clients, the majority of their spend is there. Um, you know, they're not going necessarily over after enterprise all the time. You know, they're enterprise and mid market a little bit, um, but that's where they spend a majority of their media dollars. Um, wow. So it's an interesting, interesting phenomenon. Not something that I would be like, oh yeah, Facebook B two B marketing it makes complete sense. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> how about um, how about email? Do you guys have any kind of an email brief or anything like that as a way to engage people? Drive people
2: we, back yeah we, we do so that works and you know we've set up a heap of nurture tracks um you know just to make sure and again we're constantly evolving them just making mm-hmm. sure that they're working so again that's where the feedback from sales and the sdr team really mm-hmm. helps us is like you know we can generate all these mqls and then when nothing converts it's like right was it the nurture track could we like you know so we're for up for me it's like um what i'm saying to my team is like get as much feedback from all the data points that we have the SCR team from sales you know from customers from partners we have to get that feedback and just continuously improve we're not done done we're always mm-hmm. going to be evolving and i think now more than ever with covid we're just going to, have to get super smart with all the competition everything's gone online
0: yeah what has been the the big shifts that you made since uh, the beginning of covid from a marketing perspective Besides probably getting rid of events and things like that, but I mean, <laughs> yeah. like, well, and, and tell me talk through that too, because obviously that was a, probably a big piece of, of, of the work you were doing. Like, what were, the, what were what were the pivots that you had to make? Um, what you think? What, what do you think was successful? What was challenging?
2: Yeah. So um we were already working with very closely with Adobe to change our website. So our website mm-hmm. was just not really delivering the value. It wasn't delivering the experience that we wanted our customers and, and prospects to have. So mm-hmm. that was critical that we fixed that, made it much easier. I'm sure you can use Wayback Machine or whatever to go and see what how bad our site was before, if you have you know time. Uh, there's so <laughs>
0: many, it's so funny. It's like, the, you know, the the analogy of like the shoemaker's children don't have shoes. That's like what happens with software companies. Like the software company or the tech startup has amazing product, amazing, amazing technology, but their website just, you know, isn't quite <laughs> there. So it's a, it's a very common thing for sure. So I've, I've experienced it.
2: So we were we were on a path with, with Adobe um, to fix our website and just to put it into perspective for you um we had so many disparate sites through many acquisitions or people mm-hmm. building their own little sites and uh, goodness knows what what else and we we had to merge like about 15 disparate sites onto the main softwareag.com site so it's a mm-hmm. massive you know one of adobe's big, biggest projects that they've worked on so you can imagine we're going through this journey we're going to launch the first version of the website in june and then covid starts hitting now i I'm not a doommonger, monger, but I, I, I did start thinking in February, something's not right out there. There's mm-hmm. like, people are really ill and, you mm-hmm. know, so, um, I remember saying to my events team, I'm like, I, I, I can't see these big trade shows happening, you know, mobile world Congress, yeah. Hannover Messe, which is in Germany, IOT world, like something's, I can't see these events happening. And, um. They were more confident than i was and luckily i, I remember saying to the the the, the uh, team working with us uh, adobe i'm like i think something's happening here so anyway we brought the website we had to bring the website forward by full month oh, wow. which was incredibly stressful for the size of project because events have just been cancelled one after the other yep. like literally like a domino effect and we didn't want to ha- risk any pipeline impact so we acted very very quickly had to fix that Shifted things to digital. However, it meant the content team and the design team, we've got a brilliant design team, had to start making the content creative. Like just being a me too and just going online is not the same. So what we had to do was pivot to digital very, very quickly, be really smart, not just kind of throw money at digital, but, you know, fail fast, see what's working, see see what's not working, then throw more money towards that. Mm -hmm. And that's really actually for us to help mitigate the pipeline risks that we could have had. With these big events that are actually really important for our sales team Mm -hmm. being cancelled.
0: Yeah. What um, is it like uh, from a kind of command and control when it comes to content to across all these different regions? You know, as a global company, you have, and you were saying earlier, like part of this is you have a bunch of sites that you had acquired or acquisitions that you had that you're merging into one site. but then you have a global audience to serve as well. Like, how do you think about regionalization? Um, are you using kind of one content fits all across across regions, or are you getting into kind of sp- specific uh, markets and, and making adjustments?
2: Yeah, so we we do like to try and say, look, this is this is what we've created for a global use, and feel free to take it and, and tweak it. I mean, I've done. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in the, in the many, many years ago when I've been a, a field marketing manager, you know what it's like, you get the content from global and you sit there going, this will yeah. never work in my market and sales yeah. are moaning and, you know, it, we've all been there. So you've just got to sit down and just say, right, can I take this? Can I tweak it? And I'm open to that. I'm open mm-hmm. to the team doing that. Um You know, we have to prioritize certain markets. We, you know, we can't do everything. Um, And there's some markets where actually we've realized that um, the content that we've created, that would be what I would say US English actually does work like the Netherlands Mm -hmm. or, Mm -hmm. you know, Sweden, they're fine with that content. But there's some Mm -hmm. markets where we know we've got to put a bit more effort in and rework it like Germany and France and Italy Mm -hmm. and Spain, for example. So we, Mm -hmm. we just kind of figure out what we need to do and just work around that. But ultimately... It's one asset, one piece of content, and then how we can tweak it.
0: Mm -hmm. What indicators are you looking at for what works and what doesn't?
2: we are looking at basically conversions it's for me it's conversions so anyone can click Mm -hmm. things right but you know are they engaged with us how are they engaged with us um are they converting Mm -hmm. um at the end of the day you know it's 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 been a cultural shock for the organization to move to digital because it has Mm -hmm. been heavily reliant on events in in the past Mm -hmm. so you know i'm i'm using that to help them see that there's a whole new world of, of metrics we now need to look at like website visits, Um, our old website was performing so badly um, and with a new site, we've seen like a, a f- over four hundred percent increase in three months of launching it versus last year um, of like mobile users, right? Mm. People, you just Makes couldn't sense. navigate our our website on a mobile device before. Now you can, and the results show it. You know, we're seeing um, we've seen a hundred percent increase in, in users again in that same time frame, number of sessions, uh, you know, how long they're staying on pages. So, there, these are the new metrics we're having to use rather than. I scanned 100 people that came to the stand that aren't going to mm-hmm. convert into anything, but doesn't 100 look great? You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's just a different, it's re-educating people to see things in a different way.
0: As you look towards uh, the future next, call it 12 to 18 months, what are the skills that you think uh, the CMO needs to rapidly obtain um, or get better at um, to maintain relevance for themselves, but also for their, their companies in the market?
2: Yeah. So the C- role of a CMO is like probably one of the toughest on the C-suite. I think most CMOs kind of like stick around for a little while and then they kind of like, they make it. I think it's like a
0: two-and-a-half-year two average tenure, I think it is, is what I saw, it is which exactly is that. crazy. Yeah,
2: it is. It is crazy. And you have to ask yourself, why is that? Why is the tenure so small? Is it because the CMO has been brought in to do a particular project or a particular mm-hmm. gig? It, it could be that. I think what it is, is that the CMO needs to have a, a stronger voice, And the reason is like, if, for example, I said, let's shut down marketing today. Let's just not do any marketing. I I, I bet you like there'll be so many groups, you know, that will start saying, hey, no, 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 we need marketing. Mm -hmm. But why do CMOs not feel empowered? Right. This is, this is a, you know, this is a, a, this is a key function, right? This is the, the group that's closest to the customers really understands what sales need, understands the product. They play such a pivotal role. You know, they're a, they're the glue in the organization. So the skills they're going to need, they have to be data-driven. I mean, you have to have those kind of digital skills, be Mm -hmm. data-driven. But more than that, it's almost like being being able to collaborate and, and sell why the investment needs to happen in marketing. I think that's really important because I think people still think marketing is some kind of like dark art. It isn't, it is a science, right? And I think the smart CMOs get that. That they they're not only is it about presenting data, um, but it's also about getting collaboration, that the investments are needed. And I was really lucky that you know we've got a fantastic CEO here who understood that yes, you need to fix the website. Yes, you need to make investments in in digital. Not all CEOs are like that. So I was mm-hmm. very, very lucky that you know, you know that that Sanjay actually gets that. But I think they really need to go toe to toe with other C-suite members that, you know, not see themselves as a as any lesser function. I think mm-hmm. and this is what I, I keep saying. If, if people are saying that marketing isn't working, that's fine. Let's switch it off for a week and see what happens. And I bet you it'd be like, oh, no, switch it back on. Please, we need that investment. So I think marketers need to have that confidence. I think CMOs, the strong ones get it and should have that confidence in themselves.
0: Yeah, that's great. Uh, I always remember I was at a dinner um, once, and Kristen Lemkow, who at the time she was the CMO at JPMorgan Chase, yeah. uh, she was getting an award, and she was introduced by the CFO of JPMorgan Chase, um, and it was you know her best friend and her comrade who basically were working together tirelessly to move the business forward, and it was a interesting you know kind of relationship between the CMO and the CFO that I don't think is replicated in that many. Organizations, and to your point, like you have to build that consensus at the C-suite, so that you are all working together, um, you know, towards those common goals.
2: It's um, so important, and just to just to go back yeah. to that, and that's a brilliant example. So um, I work really well with the, the the finance function here, so the CFO gets it and I'm mm-hmm. so lucky because, you mm-hmm. know, marketing is always seen as like a cost center. Here we mm-hmm. go again, marketing and they what do they want now? And um, what I've been able to demonstrate, you know, to our CFO is that, you know, the value that we're adding, right? You know, whether it's like an increase in pipeline or removing the kind of like peaks and troughs in pipeline, um, the fact that our visitors are going up on the website, you know, more things that marketing are contributing to bookings, for example, we're putting skin in the game. It's not all about influence. It's about what we're actually contributing. And because I've been able to do that, the CFO gets it and supports me, which is which is again a unique relationship. So yeah, really important point you've made.
0: Other than the uh, lack of events, um, what trends are you looking to capitalize in the next twelve to eighteen months? Like, where do you think you're going to get the most traction um, around?
2: So the fact that we're getting so much interest from mobile users. Makes me think mm-hmm. we haven't done enough with like mobile devices and things like that. Like what smart things can we do there? So that, that's like a, is that a missed opportunity? So I'm going to get my team to go away and investigate that. I think, like I said, the blog, you know, we've not, we've, we've had a blog. We, we, the output is really high, but we haven't really measured how successful that is. Now we've mm-hmm. integrated it into Adobe, onto the website. Now that's going to give us like more insight. So I think things like that, little snackable bits of content. You know what it's like, Andrew, you go on LinkedIn, you see these videos and some of them are like half an hour long. You're like, who's going to watch a half an hour video, right? Yeah, yeah. You need to get, you've got like About software. About (laughs) software of all things, right? It's not even something exciting like wine or something, it's software. (laughs) So, you know, it's all about how we can make things interesting. We've got this, um, you know, one of our um, product managers has started to do these little, it's tiny little videos on, you know, what is an API, what is integration? And he's basically saying like, you know, it's like, if your grandma, how would you explain this to your grandmother? And mm-hmm. we're getting so much traction because he's making it so simple. If you were talking to your grandmother over dinner, how would you explain what this is? Now if she gets it. I bet your customers going to get it. So that's been really popular. Just fun, quirky little things like that.
0: Gotcha. Um, uh, you mentioned the, the the blog being something that, you know, you want to put more attention into and, and more value behind. Do you think the term blog devalues what it actually is? Because I think I, for me personally, um, every time I hear companies like, oh, we have a blog. Oh, we have a blog. We have a blog. That feels like such a 2005 reference. And it's, it's the, the 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 blog quote unquote has evolved so much and has become like a core part of the marketing engine that i feel like it deserves like a better term i, I don't know
2: yeah i know what you mean um so listen i came from mongodb the blog was like really super powerful for us mm-hmm. like so lots of engagement here We've we've changed it lots of engagement yeah. Can you think of a better name than blog? <laughs> no,
0: but I just I, I think there has to it needs it needs a twenty twenty uh refresh, I think it is, does. Is, at the end of the yeah. day. Just to bring it in because otherwise uh, you know, you know, you're thinking about like uh, you know, the early display ads, you know, where it was just <laughs> like, you know, a banner ad. Like banner ads. People don't talk about, oh, those great old banner ads, let's keep making those. Um <laughs> so I feel like it needs a refresh as well.
2: Yeah, it does. Hey, maybe that could be a competition for on your on the notch website, right? It is. Hey. What can we call this now? What should it be?
0: Yeah, that's a good a good LinkedIn post fodder. Thinking of yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, getting getting in, getting some LinkedIn social engagement for sure. Um, fantastic. Well, this has been a great conversation. Um, I guess parting thoughts. Um, when you think about this idea of uh, transformation and this uh, journey you guys are on, Helix, um, which is the term of port, right? Um, yes what are the parts of that that you get like the most excited about like what are the things that you like get out of bed and you're like yes like this is what I'm excited to move this forward from a to b
2: yeah i think it's when you see the organizational shift and people that may have had a negative perception of marketing, kind of go, oh, wow, that's what you do, right? You know, this is, you know, we've done, you know, launched a new brand, we've refreshed the branding, the website, you know, so many things have changed, like physically, externally, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, LinkedIn, we're adding like a thousand new followers a week, like people have never done anything like that. Things like that, when people go, oh, wow, like what's what's happening there? This, I'm proud to be part of this company. Mm -hmm. That's what gets me up in the morning when I make our customers proud that they use our technology, our partners proud because they work with us and our employees proud. That's when I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, you know what, little fist bump, I've, you know, I've done my job today.
0: That's awesome. Do you think the, the employee communication actually is an interesting point of that or like the employee feeling of momentum? Like how much of your role focuses on employee communication and making sure that they feel like they're part of that, that momentum and part of that transformation?
2: Yeah, it's really important. And I, I, if I'm hand on heart, I've probably done a poor job of like telling employees why we're doing things. I'm, I'm more of those, we need to fix this. Let's do it a hundred miles an hour, get it fixed. Mm-hmm. And, but what's happened is that I've realized that when I've kind of taken a step back and thought about communicating to employees clearly why we've had to uh, make these changes they're on board, they get it. And I think that is so critical as a CMO. It's very, very easy to start focusing on the external stuff. So everyone notices Mm -hmm. the changes that you forget your job as a, as somebody who has to kind of sell it internally as well and get employees on board. You know, I need to get 5,000 employees on board on why we're making these investments. And you know, that's my responsibility. I must fix that.
0: Yeah. Cause that's, that's an amplification mechanism. You know, they are the voice of the company for sure. So they
2: are for sure.
0: Well, great. Thank you so much uh, for the time today and joining the show. Um, great conversation. Really appreciate it. Some great insights in there. I think that uh, the listeners will uh, will take away. Um, they can connect with you on LinkedIn, I'm sure. And uh, if they have any questions, feel free to reach out. And uh, thank you again. Really appreciate it. Paz McDonald, everyone, uh, CMO of Software AG.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode with Paz McDonald, the
1: CMO of Software AG. One thing Paz mentioned that stuck with us is the need for messaging to be truly authentic, now more than ever. Audiences are more intelligent when it comes to identifying marketing, and more critical on what's being sold to them. They won't hesitate to call you out for overpromising or underdelivering. So it's up to you to make sure what you're selling passes the test. As always, remember to rate, review, and subscribe. And if you have any suggestions or feedback, you can find me at ray@notch.com. At Visit us at prosandcontent.co to find more amazing content about well, content, and tune in next time. Thanks for listening.